Hey, it's Kelly Dixon and uh, Chris McCaleb. We're back this year for the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Hello. Uh, season three. How's it going, Chris? Good. How are you doing, Kelly? I miss you, Chris. I We're miss not you together too. anymore. I miss you, Chris, too. Oh, wait, 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 are you a, here? Wait a, a minute, guess. who else is here with us? You have not been introduced yet. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> we're we're here with uh, we're here with Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, creators of uh, of the show Better Call Saul. Hello. We're also, hey. We're also here with executive producer Melissa Bernstein. Ta-da. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here with our special guest, my friend Jonathan Banks. Hey, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so we're at it again, uh, season three. Uh, everybody's so happy to be here. Nobody yes! yes. And I and we're so ex- excited to do you want to explain why we're so excited to see Chris McCaleb? Uh I I guess I've um, been abroad. You know, I, yeah, Chris McCaleb is is now editing uh he, what are you working on, Chris? I'm currently editing on Narcos. Nice. Cool. nice. Where where have you been for the past like several months? Columbia. No, I wish I was in Columbia. We they shoot in Columbia. No, you don't. But yeah, no, you don't. I certainly do. <laughs> every every chance I get, I say, oh, do, "Are you saying we need editing to go to Columbia?" I'm, I'll be, you didn't even have to ask. Let's go. I'm ready. I'll get <laughs> I, on an airplane right now. What, really what did you do to your hair, Chris? What what did, what happened to your hair? This is a wig. Oh, this is a wig. I, it's a little untidy. I, I have son. A, it's a lot. I, I've been. I haven't had a day off. This is my first day off in three weeks. Oh man, so, you're spending it with so, us. Yeah, I hear. Wow. Yeah, I, I hear. I hear. I'm nothing. I hear. There's a lot of a lot of that going around. It's a. No, but Chris, you've been so time. you've been on. You just started Narcos like on what in October or something, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So no, where have you yeah. been before that though? Uh, I was on. I did an Amazon show called Patriot, which oh, I recommend right to everybody. Oh yeah, excellent, uh, fantastic show. It's really yeah, good. it looks really yes. cool. It's created by Steve Conrad. And we're at, where else? Uh, and then before that, uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Fear. Which okay. I was. I think I was doing that uh, the last time we recorded. Right on. Very right cool. on. I've been. You've been great, busy. Great job. I've been. I was doing a little bit of work for Melissa Bernstein. I shut I. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, you're welcome. That's another good show. I did a pilot for uh, for I guess it was Amazon mm-hmm. uh, called The Interestings with Mike with Mike Newell. He sounds I really like, a cool like guy. that. Mike Newell was awesome. Yeah. He was he was good director. He was he was really really great. Um, and uh, and so so we're here. So what do you guys do over the summer? Oh yeah, that's right. You were in the writers' room for Better Call Saul. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Is that what we're going to talk about today? We're going to start Better talking about it because you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So this new episode, this is called Mabel, written by PG and VG here. PG right? and or, VG. Or like VG that. and yeah, PG. I don't know. I, like I haven't seen the thing. So VG I, doesn't we, sound dirty at we all. Should, we should wear <laughs> robot helmets and, and like spin <laughs> records. And so, who are those two French here, guys? Right. Daft Punk. Yeah, yeah. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, so yeah. we left last season where you know people figured out the title thing of the show that you guys did before the even the penultimate episode frings back and i was getting tweets were you getting tweets chris where oh, people yeah. are like wait uh somebody tells me i heard that it's fring do you do you, is this real do you know and i just was like i wasn't saying anything it was like so funny to me the hive mind figured it out oh yeah very quickly biggest, if you I, like throw I said, a puzzle at the internet it will i always figure say it out. biggest writer's room in the world is the internet but they get together but here's the thing, though. This is what it impresses me so much about our fans. If we had said there's a puzzle here, yeah, I can, I can, I can grasp how they figured it out so quickly. But no one even knew there was a puzzle there. They just figured it out anyway. 
It's like that still blows my mind. Yeah, that before the, even the last two aired, it was like out, and it was like, and it, but it was so funny that people were like, uh, is this a, is is this like a like a coincidence? I'm like, how could that oh, be? It, it Come is on, you guys, you guys are notorious for dropping things over the years, and yeah, so yeah, they're looking the for seven thirty-seven down over eighty-two. Yeah, that one took a little while. I don't remember anyone thinking that one. But but to be fair one. to them, no one. At the, I mean, the show was much the whole uh, universe of the. Both shows was much younger then, and no one knew to look for a, a, a hidden clues. But, but now, I mean, this still blows me away that people grasp this so quick with that. But like Jonathan said, I mean, I guess we're notorious for for hiding stuff. They're like looking. That. I I'm guess. shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, when you guys left last year, um, you know, and you left the the note for Mike uh, that said "Don't." Obviously, you knew Fring's back, and so. How then did you start your writer's room up? I mean, what was kind of the idea of, you know, when you knew that you had this? Did did you know last year how you were going to come into it? or? Good God, no. Okay. Kelly, how I, long I, have I, we been doing this? I feel like how, it's my duty to ask the question every the, year. Yeah, Might well ask. That's still a good question. By the time we get to the end of the season, we are running on fumes. People always think that you're lying. I'm telling you right now, nah. people People think that you're not He's telling really the truth. Not. He's I, really I not. I believe you, but I, I feel like, again, it's my duty to ask you again. And also, because you guys did know you were bringing him back, maybe you had some ideas. I mean, did you really know you were bringing him back? I'll say this. I think we, we we loved the idea of the note being there. And tell me if you agree, Vince. Mm-hmm. Uh, we loved the no- idea of the note being there. We loved the idea of Mike getting, for once, outsmarted. That was fascinating to us. But then when we got to the beginning of the season, the question is, how do you outsmart Mike Ermintrout? He is brilliant. And so we had to figure out how the hell did that note get there? You was had to someone take apart a whole car. Was, well, was someone watching <laughs> him? Uh, but I'll tell you, when we go back to the note, for me, for to play Mike, when Vince gave me the direction of, you know, you're flummoxed, you're you're bewildered by where all this is. But I say that, that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am bewildered. But it's it's something that Mike wanted me to be gape jawed, staring around in the den. I thought this does not feel right, which is probably a good thing, <laughs> you right. know, yeah. for what was going on. I just thought, oh my God, am I overdoing this? Am I doing no, too much here? Not. You know, never, no, no, no. never. No. I mean, that, but that's what makes it for me. That's one of the things that makes it such uh, a great scene is that you've never seen Mike wrong-footed like that yeah. you've never seen you've never seen him get to that point before and that's that was what was made and who such a out great there is smart enough to make put yes. to make mike wrong-footed yes who exactly. out there in this universe yeah yeah okay so um i guess my question then again is if you guys could please you know maybe put your heads together and remember how did you decide to do this and i will say you don't even do it in the first episode well, to do I'm yeah sorry, to yeah do, we've gotten do. through the, there's I mean because there's, there's been lots of back. press we've been we've there's, been knowing it for a year oh, now. Romano's ad and and, and then, this and, episode and ends why know, not no just guys. do it in the first back. episode is what yeah. you're asking well that to me that's drama 101 is you make people that's that's not just drama 101 that's that's sex 101 that's <laughs> everything in life 101 is make people wait for it mm-hmm. I mean that I mean I'm not being funny that's uh, it's more you you know make hold off the satisfaction as long as possible. I get it. I'm just saying when you start up the writer's room and you say, okay, now we got to bring him back, what what happened next? Go. What I, well, what is, what, <laughs> I think we just were saying, well, what does Mike do? What's, what, is, what is Mike's next move? What is, what's in his head that 
and what's in his head is how did this happen? How, well, did, yeah, but how did someone get the drop on me? And so that's, I mean, it would all proceeded from there. I get that, but you've got a con, you've got, you've got a chase going on yes. in this that is not in Mike's head. So you had to come at it yes. in a different way. I mean, yes. yes, you had to lead Mike, but there had to be somebody, well, there had that's, to be some leading. That's why I say the first thing we had to do is figure out how whoever put that note there, how that happened. Go. How that happened. Well, and that, that, was, that was a big one. That, that was, was a big, that we was. We talked a, about that for weeks. Okay, this, we had, this is where I want to get we had, to. We had, we had two huge problems coming off of season two. Uh, we, we set ourselves a real Rubrics Cube with Mike. How on earth did this guy, whoever it is, get the drop on Mike? And with Jimmy, what exactly is Chuck's plan with this, uh, with this tape? We're that not getting made? to Jimmy All yet. All right, we I'm just saying, but the they both, thing. but it was too, I remember, I remember, I, Coming in to work, I'm actually spending the time away from the show, uh, or actually in post, and think. I kept thinking, how the hell are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved the way the season ended, but in the back of my mind, I was tickled by both of these questions I, I just mentioned, and it just it took us quite a while to figure out, you know, because also the, the way, mechanics of it, yeah. yeah, the way the way you shot it. Vince, it was so clear that there was nobody, nobody could have followed Mike. Yeah. Mo- nobody, there was no way for someone to be off. I mean, it would have been kind of a cheat to have someone off in the distance, uh, you know, with a, with a, with binoculars or a satellite tracker. And that's the other part is that we, we tend to not like uh, super technological uh, solutions to things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Part of the, one thing that, that's beautiful about doing a show that's uh, a little bit of a period piece is that you know the characters don't have smartphones? You know, there's not. Yeah. There's you know this this is all happening before analog. Uh, this is the analog. This is this is invention of the iPhone. Exactly, and all that. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's it, that that and that. So those were all huge problems for us. Well, and to be and strictly also, yes. to be strictly accurate about it. I mean, someone obviously did follow him there, but yes. but as we see in the episode, um, they had the ability uh, to do it beyond line of sight because no well one well no put. one's going to follow Mike Erman Trout the old-fashioned way by just being on his heels, uh, uh, you know, following behind him within within sight and, and him not know about it. I'll always remember that scene in Breaking Bad where Walt Walt thinks that he's uh, snuck up on Mike and Mike, yeah. Mike, knows, yeah. Mike knows Mike knows Mike knows <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, wh- where Walt is. He even knows that Walt has got his highly concealed gun. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. How, and how does he know? Because Gus snuck up on him. Oh, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> well, but you know... You know, I don't think I think uh, Mike, even in the days of Better Call Saul, is already so adept and so good. Mm-hmm. At, yeah. I mean, he's already Mike. He's already. This is the only guy that's ever, in my mind, this is the only guy that's ever snuck up on Mike in Mike's yes. entire life. I just, you know, when I watched this, I, I, you know, I just went buzzed through it really fast to make some notes this morning. But when I watched it the first time, I was like, okay. I mean, I, I sat here thinking because I know Vince, you directed this one and you directed number two. You block block shot is that the that yeah. the term? Yes. Cross board. Yeah, you cross board and block yeah. blocked it and uh, shot both of them together yeah. and basically as one long shoot. So I'm sitting here going, did Vince like work this out in his car on the drive to work? Because this is it's quite intricate what you have the the game that you have going on. So that's why I was curious. I mean, I'm sort of joking that you worked it out by yourself, but there have been plenty of times when you've worked things out in the car. <laughs> what what game though? You mean you mean the whole? Uh, oh no, that was very much worked out in the writers' room. That's okay. all. That's all. Every bit of the, I just shot was in the script. I mean, we we always shoot what's in the. No, I get it. I'm just saying. That's why I'm this, trying to get this it. This is why we take How did all, this come about? This is I'm why we take all the weeks. It came about. Yeah, it came about the way it always comes about. It literally takes weeks 
especially at the beginning of the season. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Although this first episode of this season was not quite as hard to break, I recall, as, mm-hmm. as the first episode of the second season the year before. That one, we were really kind of flailing about trying to figure out where the show was going at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. This 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 we had a drive going then it was a matter of, uh, at, at the beginning of this season uh, because uh, because of the way we left uh, things in uh, episode 210 of last year and, and so we just we needed to figure out the mechanics the yep. logistics the year before he, we were literally at a stopping point for the character of, of, of Jimmy McGill. We literally did not know which way to go next. Yeah, this, can, this, we, this, you know, this was more logistics. We can always figure out logistics. So understanding the folks is, is, is the hard part. A part of it, one of the inspirations, Kelly, was uh, I, th- I think we kept talking about the French connection, uh, especially for that, that scene where uh, Mike breaks down his own car. Yeah. That was we, awesome. we always thought about that great scene in the French Connection where they're, they're, they've, they've impounded the car. I think they have to they have to bring it back more. Do they have to bring it back intact in that one? I've forgotten. They but do. I always remember, the as a kid, con- I yeah. saw this. I yeah, saw yeah. it in the original run. I was I was a kid who was taken to movies that were way over my head, yeah. and I still will remember that the rocker panels. Rocker well, panels. And, but the, the the problem with that was when they took those rocker panels off. One of the first places you would hide something yes. is to the rocker panels. Yes. And, but if you don't know cars, then not so much. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Great yes. movie, but you know uh, yeah, that's why we didn't put the that's why we didn't put the bug in the rocker panels. I uh, know we we yeah we figured that had already been taken. So but John, yeah, had, oh, yeah. Did you think about the think about that movie? I I could watch that movie once a month for the rest of my life. I love it so much. But that's the one moment in that movie. The rocker panels aside, and that's a good point, Jonathan. Not, not to ding on the French connection, but no. th- the way they get that car back together mm-hmm. after the, the they tear tear it down, they're because they're even using like an air chisel to like break the welds, and, they, <laughs> and then suddenly the car's magically back together. But I don't know, not to be it's dinging amazing on what it. a little spit and tape will do. You it know, still works though because it's such a great movie. And, and it part of it work. is it's the way it's shot. It's, it feels so realistic. Uh, it feels so grounded that they get away to me anyway they, at least when I watched it they get I grew up in, in Manhattan uh, and that I remember watching that and all the movies I, I had been taken to before the French connection were all they were all uh, you know Disney movies and things that were you know very high key and I remember I saw that movie it just knocked me on my ass because I said this is the first movie I've ever seen that looks like the real world oh, to yeah. me and it's 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 such a it's a, it's it's remarkable and it still feels timeless it, it still does. feels like it could have been made yesterday it does it, oh god i love that movie Roy Scheider's everybody's so good. Roy Scheider's got that. Yeah. So I would have loved to have met him. What a good him. man he was. Yeah. Did, you, did you work with I, him? And well, I knew him, wow. and it, and I really liked him. Just a gentleman. Nice. Just a gentleman. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. A, I was going to say, being the, the what the instrument that executes some of these intricacies. How, how much allowed are we allowed to talk about some of the things? You can talk about three hundred one. Okay, well, that gas cap, because mm-hmm. yeah. Vince is so precise about what he wants and what he's doing. And i got to tell you, Paul, our, our, our operator, I thought was so good with oh, yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Because he would, I mean, Paul is slight, and he bends himself <laughs> into so many different positions with that camera to get a shot. But anyway, I'm taking the cap off, and the camera is in the gas a tube mm-hmm. that you you administer the gas into yeah, yeah and and i kept for whatever reason i was thinking it was just above it <laughs> and 
Oh. We were there. I don't know if you remember that, but we were we were there a long time with me looking down oh, into that right. too. That's right. Kept oh saying, my god. <laughs> oh my god. That's and it's going to come and go like that. Yeah. And came out great. It came out really great. Did. Good. Have you even seen it yet? As we no. record this, it oh. came out great. No, you're no, awesome no. in it. You're wonderful. I absolutely so. love the music that's in that sequence. Those are the in full disclosure that the I've only seen. Uh, the, the the most of the episodes are not done yet as we're recording these oh, podcasts, true. but uh, I know that the, at least the first one is done. I'm looking forward to that second one. I is that Dave Porter? Is that Thomas? What what? That where is, that that, that cue? Is, uh, Which that is, one around where Mike's taking apart? When he's the taking car? apart the car. Yeah, that that was the note oh, I wrote. It was awesome music and the, the time lapse and setup shots. Taking apart the car is Thomas is a is a is a is a is a piece of, uh, of music that Thomas found. The music, I agree completely, Chris. The music in this episode is wonderful, and and it's equally wonderful. Dave's amazing score is equally wonderful. Uh, compared and compressed, contrasted to uh, the great stuff, the great music, the great pre-existing uh, pieces that Thomas found. In the particular one you're talking about there in the uh, taking apart in the junkyard scene, the taking apart of the car, something Thomas found. It's a oh crap. We could probably have Mike. Mike, does Mike Bermantrout? Do you know what the cue is? The group is called Bad, Bad, Not Good. That's it. That's See, it. I didn't That's know that. It. I, I didn't know that. Thank That's you, Mike Bermantrout. No problem. And you know, as I recall about that band that uh, that Mike Bermantrout just uh, hipped us to, they're a bunch of very young guys. It's just like it's uh, disgusting how talented they are at such a young age. But yeah, it's a great piece of music. I, I agree. I love it. How long did it take you guys to shoot that sequence? That <laughs> whole thing. And how hot all was it? Lapse. How hot was it, Banks? Tell us. It took right. ten well, years it, of my life. It took, yeah, Vince got older by then. Off your, um, off your life or of your life? <laughs> off. Yeah, we, we, you tell them. As yeah. I recall, it wasn't hot at all. Oh, okay. It, it was. What about it the was, heat? Yeah. I don't remember that. What I really remember most of all is the guys that worked in the junkyard were trying to, they did everything they could to, they were making a film as well. And they were right there for yeah. us with anything that we needed. They were, they, were, they you know, they moved 60 cars over here or over there, wrecks. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Weren't there some angles that we, once we started to tear it apart, it was hard then to go back and duplicate yeah. correctly what we'd done? Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how many hours, how many hundreds and hundreds of man hours we spent uh, uh, talking about uh, people hours, whatever you call them nowadays, uh, talking about how we were going to do this because you're exactly right, Jonathan. You and the cars we had i think we only had two cars two station wagons and the way you do it in a movie is you'd have like 16 of them and you'd shoot for three weeks yeah we shot for a day and a half or two days tearing that thing apart and i i did not have a lot of fun i'll be i'll be honest with you this, here's as good a time as i need to say i did not have a lot of fun directing these two episodes mm -mm. yeah you were saying that why and not i I, I just it was meticulous. very very hard i thought yeah two episodes one episode what's the difference Last time I directed two episodes back to back was five years ago, which I realized was uh, into season four of Breaking Bad. I realized I was ten percent younger back then, and I, and that ten percent makes a makes a great difference. But, but the technical intricacies yeah. of what what had to be and what you had to pay attention to required 
you know, it's nice to stand back and and let the camera rest on an actor. Yeah. And let him do a job for yeah. you because that's why you hired him. Absolutely. But when you got to be responsible for a hubcap yeah. or where the wrench was yeah. or where the this is. Yeah. And the condition of the car. And if a door comes off, I mean, originally you were going to be taking doors off, doing all this kind of stuff. And, and that's a, it's a, Honestly, the the job that that we that you do in this sequence is a job that one person really could not do by themselves. No. Certainly not in you know six or eight hours or how much time we we present. But uh, you know it, it works because as if anyone can do it, it'd be Mike Ermintrout. But it was a it, we t- had a lot of meetings about you know the condition of the car at this point of the day, at that point of the day, you know how and and and. Uh, uh, all, all credit to, to Anna Ramey Borden, our first AD, our first assistant director, who really gets all the credit for all the logistics of and how we got through these two episodes because she figured all, she, uh, starting with her uh, and, and, and working with all the great department heads, special effects and, and, and locations and, and all these different, and transportation, all these different departments, pr- procuring these cars, rigging them, getting them ready, figuring out what time to be shooting what at a certain time of day. And of course, that's uh, Marshall Adams, our wonderful director of photography. Our, our, our and brand, a, a brand new. Brand new. Brand new. new. We got to talk about him. About. And this was his first, his first yeah. episode for us. And, that's, and that cool drone shot. Oh yeah, that, yeah. There's a drone shot where we're following you, Jonathan, uh, driving the station wagon uh, before you come to a stop and check out the car for the first time. That right. that wonderful uh, plateau where you're looking out over, you're on the plateau and you're looking out over this valley, and and that was Marshall operating his own drone. That's the first time in uh, either show we've ever had a drone shot. That that is like it's amazing. That that technology is mind blowing. That whole drone cost like i don't know 1500 bucks 2000 bucks it's like it's it's magic it's like we're living in star trek times you couldn't have that technology (laughs) if you were the head of the soviet union or the president of the united states no one on earth for any number of billions of dollars couldn't have couldn't have had that technology even what 15, 20 years ago, probably probably fewer years than that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Since yeah. So much just since we started Saul. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh my God. It, keeps, well, it scares me. Like, what's next? To, I'm, I'm stuck in a book about how poorly Benedict Arnold was treated. And you realize, and I'm here, I'll get off this very quickly without boring you to death, but but the, the dependency on rivers to fight the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Yeah. In Good. vast, vast impenetrable wilderness oh, okay so those rivers were modes of me- means of transportation anyway drones. wait a minute what do you mean drones. benedict arnold was a what was he was like there's there was, revisionist there thinking things, on him now? he was one he was he was probably he was probably one of your your best warriors oh yeah and he yeah, was overlooked that. and the and the politics that came out of philadelphia about who they wanted from the different colonies and what they did and how he was vilified at different moments and overlooked and overlooked and overlooked and and not by washington washington was was a big uh, backer of, of benedict arnold but um he was treated incredibly poorly yeah wow what's what's the book you're reading I don't remember the name of it. I'm somewhere on the 200th page, but I, but it has to do. It's wa- it's it's Washington and ba- about Washington and Benedict wow. Arnold. Cool. Yeah, but like you know, putting it in our perspective, if if 
my show gets canceled, I'm not going to immediately go out and try to bring down America. It's no, like, but you're not. I dare. <laughs> I dare. No, no, no. I agree. Like, but man I dare. Up, Benedict Arnold. No, but I dare say all the loyalists. There, there was another time where so many of the loyalists yeah. were. We were not. We were. We did. We, we bent over backwards to still be part of Great Britain. Yeah. It was a different mindset about what a traitor was even yeah, at no, the time. Because there wasn't even a country. And, and in the yeah. end, there was no doubt. They hung the son of a bitch. You know, it was done. But um, what? I don't like to say that, but I, yeah, it's exactly what I mean. If the, All the things that we've been fed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, gotcha. do need to be looked No, no, into. by all means, a, a, a close reading of history is always uh, a good idea. Well, yeah, and the, yeah. the sounds, victors write like the this, history books, so yeah. this sounds like uh, an HBO miniseries. Uh, it right sounds here. like another AMC show to That's me. That's right. All right, there <laughs> you go, does. Charlie Collier. Are you listening? That was quite a good turn. Who are you, you going to? Yeah. Who are you going to? Who are you going to play? <laughs> who are you going to play in this? Well, I'd like to be one of the pompous people in Philadelphia who makes all these pronouncements <laughs> and with no knowledge of what's going on. There you go. How, did you, how many different? placements for that tracker did you guys think about i mean did you have a diagram of a car i mean where 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 did gas because that's so cool i wouldn't have thought to put it in the gas cap we thought about this a lot oh my god uh, we, we spent days of, on this we yeah. spent days on this and we thought about this a lot we thought about one of the things that we kept on coming back to is the idea of actually putting it into the gas tank uh, which, of course, would have made Mike's job a lot harder. But then we <laughs> yeah. realized all, that there's a problem with these any kind of technology like this, which has got a battery in it. And so you have to, if you're going to be following somebody for a while, occasionally you're going to have to switch mm-hmm. switch the battery out. And I think some of this might have happened to be my, my daughter uh, is a big fan of the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. And so we, we were there and we were looking at... Uh, we were looking at all the bugs on display, especially the ones from the 70s and 80s. And they, they always had this, this flaw, which is if you want to bug someone for a long period of time, you have to find a way to connect the bug to an electrical source. So right. that's, and that's the, way, that's the way they get found a lot. So we, we, oh. I think we kept on thinking about batteries and how you would, what, where on the car are you going to put it where you can easily kind of sneak over and switch bugs? What? What I liked about what we came up with, what I'm proud about it is, it's not the first place you would look. And it's believable, in fact, that even a guy as smart as Mike, mm-hmm. it truly is the last place that he looks after he's taken the whole car apart. And yet, it makes perfect logical sense that that is where you would put a bug. I mean, at a certain point when he's tearing apart the car and he's looking looking inside the rocker panels and he's tearing the, the you know, the, 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 uh, the headliner down, down off the roof or the inside of the ceiling and you're never really going to put a bug in there because you're not going to have time to mm-hmm. put a bug yeah you're never and and it feels that's why to me i mean you rightly played it jonathan as 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 determined and and tough and icy as 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 you always do when you're playing mike but to me in context this is mike getting more and more Frantic's the right word, but it's it's less and less believable that a bug would be in these places, and yet Mike is looking in all these places. But really, no one's going to go to all the trouble of putting a bug. How would you even have the the facility to do that? You wouldn't have the time. Uh, you wouldn't have the time uh, and ability to be able to hide a bug, you know, way inside the engine compartment or whatever. And so, at the end of the day, I mean, even a guy as smart as Mike is not going to remember what his gas cap looked like. 
the gas cap's a gas cap. Mm-hmm. So it, but it's it not seemed a bug, like a, right? It's a tracker. Is that's not the same? Well, I'm just yeah, I'm using the word bug. It's just any surveillance. Yeah, it's not a bug. You're right. It's a tracker. You can just use whatever word you want now. You can just words don't matter anymore. Um. But you know, you, let, and, but I do think you should talk about how you created the um, that whole system. Oh my God! Yeah, had, yeah. because that was a really great collaboration between props and special you effects. About it. Yeah. No, because no, we haven't no. heard from you. Because you, yeah, no, you you should really no, it because it was something that you were um, you were guiding along with uh, the help of Joe Ulibari, uh, who Joe was, was amazing, right? Who was using a three D printer, yeah, to uh, to build it. More, more amazing technology. More amazing technology that didn't exist, you know, not that many years ago. Joe, uh, who works in this, uh, is a special amazing special effects department. Uh, on, you know, uh, Werner Hamlin's uh, special effects department came up with this. We we had a lot of iterations on the design, and and Peter, you were looking at him. I was looking at him, mm-hmm. and he built it around a screen that he cannibalized from some other device uh you know a screen that they could put uh they could program certain uh symbology into uh, you know i can't Didn't remember he use, he used an arduino it was it was an arduino attached to a screen i think i think so something like that yeah and our an arduino i'm, I'm probably going to screw all this up but it's basically it's 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 hardware that you can it's you know the kind of thing back when Radio Shack still mm-hmm. was a business that they would sell. I miss Radio Shack, by the way. There, but there, there are a few of them still around. There's still a couple. I right. bet I bet all out our there. listeners already know what Arduino is. Yeah, I bet you most of them do. But I yeah, and I I bought one a few years ago. I still haven't taken it out of the out of the little case. I was I have, I'm afraid it would it's it would daunt me uh, intellectually. I don't know if I could be able. To, but basically, it's this. It's you can program with your computer uh, and you can hook it to different things and make it do different things. And he figured out how to hook it to this screen. Although having said that, most of the time you see the screen in this episode, it was it was uh, laid in later by our post team uh, led by uh, Diane Mercer. So most of the time you see the screen, it was replaced later. But it was a good thing to have a screen that actually worked in real life so that the amazing uh, animators and whatnot had something to compare to to make it look that much more real. But then the case of the whole thing, uh, Joe designed it and then printed it on one of these 3D printers. And he printed a couple different iterations for us. And then we say, we like this one, we don't like that one. you know, Or, you know, this one, if the antenna was a little longer, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was quite a process. I think yeah. one of the breakthroughs for me was when you you came up with the thought that this is uh, this is military equipment, and it's uh, so it has it, that's that's one of the things that I think it has a certain look that we we were looking at a lot because we had looked originally at like old garments and things like that, and then by saying it's military equipment, it, it kind of has this look like an old fashioned walkie talkie a little yeah. bit it has it has a has a different feel to it and it feels very. It looks like it fits in Mike's hand. It, it seems. It yeah. really seems like it, Mike. I think I, I always think about Mike uh, in the jungle in yeah. Vietnam, and it just it just it it feels it feels right that he's 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 holding this thing and he knows how to use it. It looks mill spec. Mill spec. Yes. Mill spec. And there's a lot of t- you know a lot of discussion about exactly how what are the dimensions of this thing, mm-hmm. and you know we're all holding different versions of it, and we had a lot of meetings on this thing. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say, though, I'm thinking when we talk about Joe, who is what? So with shy, shy is the right word. Joe is shy. He's so competent. He's so there when you need him. And the only time a lot of times with special effects or with or with transportation, if something doesn't work, 
they put in all this work, and the only time on the set that you all of a sudden really become aware of them is when something goes wrong. <laughs> and there are hundreds and hundreds of hours of work, and all of a sudden something doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And and then they go, why do I go on here? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know? Joe is exceptional also in that he has been with us since the pilot of Breaking Bad. God, I right. think wow. he that's is right. uh, yeah, one of the absolute very few OG uh, Breaking Bad crew members who's been with us all the way uh, the entire journey. I'm going to tell a story on you. Am I, can I, real quick, can I just do this? My boss, who's sitting next to me, Melissa, when I came um, for the first show in second second season of Breaking Bad last show, and they brought me in to do this guest star thing, and a little pretty red-headed woman came to the airport with an old Indian, Kino, who was great. And I thought, oh, well, they've, they've sent this PA, and she couldn't be nicer. What a warm welcome. The Kino was great. Um, Free hugs. And... <laughs> and and that was my introduction to you. That's yeah. all I got to say. <laughs> I loved it. Well, my introduction to Melissa, I met Melissa and Vince at the very same time at my job interview. That's right. It was about, ten, about almost 10 years ago, mm -hmm. maybe about 10 years ago. And we did it, ask you it, to d disassemble a car and put it back together. I did. Yes. I and did. you did it. I did. I did. It was, it was, it was challenging, but I managed. Field strip an M1 rifle. That's right. <laughs> Uh, that was you were in the first you were in the meeting with me when we met Brian the first time. Yeah, I mean I already had known him a little bit, although he didn't remember me from Adam, but I'd known him from that X Files episode. But that, you were in that meeting when we first met with that him. That was a true privilege. Just the yes. three of us, I think. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was amazing. Somehow, yeah. Vince, you invited me to pretty much every meeting you had during the pilot. So God, who who better than you? It turned it was, it was wonderful having you. Obviously, you, you know you're you run the whole you run the whole thing. So changed my life. Yeah. I'm well, very well, grateful. Ours as well. So what else should we talk about? So let's jump back to the beginning of the episode and talk about the uh, Cinnabon opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back to Omaha. That was the first day of shooting. I think we got... Oh. No, actually, I think we had to go back after the, that one. Yes, I think Wait, you from know, a production before, before standpoint. You, before, you, before you run ahead, there, yeah. is, there is a remarkable piece of filmmaking trickery in that, in that scene. As it happens, there's a department store in oh that God, mall, yeah. which was not willing to open early for us yeah. uh, because because of the way the things work. Of course, you want to start shooting first thing in the day uh, before before the malls open. And so we were very lucky. We have a, a brilliant locations department, and most of the stores were willing to open for us. But there was this large department oh, but the store, the enormous one in the back, the, of the enormous wide one yeah, in the right back, in the center of the wide in shot. the back. Yeah. And we have a new we have a new production designer. Michael Novotny. Yeah. And Michael did this incredible thing, which is that he took still photographs of the front of this department store and then blew them up using billboard fabrication techniques. He, he blew them what? up. What? Yeah. He blew it up to a life-size, so it was a life-size backlit, uh, backlit photograph of the front of this department store, which you can see in a couple of shots, yeah. and I, I I find it absolutely undetectable. It is it is I, I'm I just delight, and it's you know that you can always say yeah. well we could have fixed it digitally. I love the fact I don't think that we could have. That it's like we an enormous that. translite, we, like it's an yeah. enormous yeah. translite outside of a window, except yeah. in, you'd have it in real life. Yeah. And in That's fact, crazy. And in fact, when we first 
thought and those about translates it. Translates take a long time. You they do. Oh, you yeah. Expensive them, was that? You have to order it. I mean, that this Sounds was done expensive. on a very short timeline. This is that, and that's what's amazing is that we didn't use that translate tech. Even though it is sort of a translate, it was not used. It was not built using translate technology. It was used using billboard technology. Yeah, so it was. Yeah. It was. I don't remember exactly the. Co- I remember hearing somewhere the cost. I want to say somewhat five thousand, maybe it was five to fifteen, something it, like that. It, it's a lot of money, and yeah. yet not in the greater scheme of things yeah and, and yeah just i'm so glad you brought that up we have to find a way cheaper to, than we not have to being fi- able to shoot yes well the other what you would have done in the old days you would have just the director me in this case would have been told you just you could show it if you want and, and you got a choice as a director in the old days uh and by the way, the photograph was taken, as you just said, when the place was open on, yes. on a whole other day. Of course. Because without it, what was behind it was the same exact store, except with all the lights off and with the big uh, jail jail bar looking, the big roll down uh, security fence in front of it. So we could have just shot it like, well, the place is closed. But mm-hmm. it would have looked like a missing tooth and a smile, you know, or it, or it could have been, well, just don't shoot that angle, except that that was the best angle for the wide shot for the master shot so i'm glad you brought that up amazing uh work and enthusiasm and 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 foresight on the part of it was a real again real team effort the christian our location manager said well you know we, we did our best and they moved heaven and earth but this mm-hmm. one particular company and it, hey it's a free country if they don't want to open up early that's you know i don't well that's cool nothing wrong with that and cottonwood but, mall where we shoot yeah. they're incredible and and worked with us yeah. you know every step of the way to make sure we could wait are, yeah. are you that's saying that mall. we we yeah. didn't we didn't shoot that in omaha is that what you just you know the amazing Spoiler. thing by the way the, the, the question was, what do we rename the mall? Because there's a sign, if you look closely, mm-hmm. I think it's when he's sitting on his bench, uh, uh, Gene is sitting on his bench eating his sandwich and his bugles. You know, there's You can see over his right shoulder in one medium shot, it says Cottonwood Mall. You probably see it a couple other times too. And the question Michael and his, Michael Novotny and his crew had was, uh, what should we name the mall? Should we change the signage? So we looked up Omaha, we looked up Nebraska, which is, by the way, a lovely place. Been there to Omaha a couple of times. Uh, the real, the real one. Luckily, <laughs> the cottonwood is the state tree of Nebraska. Uh, wow. So we said, well, let's not let's not spend money we don't need to spend. Let's, it's the Cottonwood Mall. So, uh, and that's the name of the real mall. You can go visit in uh, Albuquerque. And I would I would uh, I would offer the thought. It's a it's a great place to go get a Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Great. Yeah. So I know I'm going to ask a dumb question, but. What's with the collapse of uh, of uh, Gene? Things are, you know, things are. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? Well, I, I you know, when I watch it, I feel like he's having a uh, a panic attack. Yeah. That's 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 how it looks. Is it because is it because he was just, um, you know, like sort of, uh, you know. Uh, uh, sort of opening himself up to the police and is that why i mean seems you have me, yeah. you have made it seem like he's really kind of nervous about talking to authorities he's he's a know. little he's a little scared he is he is a scared little mouse and he's hiding but he does it yeah yes. well he i mean this he does yeah he he does it because he's uh, it seems to me he's so filled with self self-loathing at the uh this reflexive I mean, he reflexively narked on this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, an authority figure comes along, a police officer, and says, uh, "Did you see which way the guy go?" And he, right. and he gives the guy up, and then he just is just filled to the brim with self-loathing as he watches this kid 
But he jumps the into cuffs. Saul Goodman mode. I know, and he can't help mm-hmm. himself, I mm-hmm. think. And then afterward, I think he it's he's so the adrenaline goes out of him, and he's so, and then he just passes out. Yeah, I mean, now where that's going to lead next? Who yeah, knows? because I was going to say, isn't that just like the big machine gun in the trunk situation now? Maybe is it? <laughs> I'm asking y'all. So wait, so so we heard it. He has a machine gun in his trunk. That's this is a podcast exclusive. Yeah, I I felt really bad for him. I I feel I feel really bad for Gene just kind of in general. He seems like his life is garbage. Well, it, it is, but I mean, not to sound heartless, but I mean, you know, he, you know, we make he, our own beds, don't we? Absolutely. He is, yeah. he is a fugitive from justice. Yeah. For know, sure. And, and he but is not a, because, not like in The, the Fugitive, no. where no. the guy's wrongly well, the accused. The one-armed man had nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah. This, guy, this guy did it to himself. This, this guy, yeah. Not to say I don't feel for him. But, I, I will say, though, I'm, I'm fascinated by Gene. Uh, every I, I can't when I'm watching the show I can't take my eyes off him and it's he's uh, it's fascinating to me because we've seen criminals who are kind of reveling in it we've seen we've seen uh, uh, Cody Jarrett go down top of the world ma oh yeah and and uh, and, yeah. and the uh, but this is a guy who who ran away and is in hiding and you know maybe th- there are probably a lot of criminals who are in that position right now there are probably people you pass. In the shopping mall right now, who are uh, who are who are hidden hidden away, and I I, I just find I, but I find especially the way Bob plays this character uh, just fascinating, and I th- I think there's a lot more to be said about Gene. Yeah. One of the things I, I really like about Gene and well and, and sort of his behavior throughout is that we keep coming back to, and we've talked about before, is that he really is slipping Jimmy, like he can't. At every t- he can't help himself, and he did it with the commercial. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, and he and his his argument, in which we get into later in the episode, but his argument for it is like, hey, nobody gets hurt, and no, it's all fine, it's fine, because he can't, he just can't stop doing the wrong thing, even if the yeah. the outcome is the right outcome. Yeah, he can't, you know, stop, you know, screwing over his brother to help Kim, or for what, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Because he just can't stop himself. He is a man with poor impulse control. You know, I'm I'm going to say something about Bobby's performance too. That you know, if you're playing that mind that just never can stops, that the thousands of thoughts that are bombarding you all the time. Um, I think it would be very easy to fall into an actor mode of making it a little too obvious. Bobby, who I am amazed at, quite honestly, uh, about there is a subtleness in that constant, constant mind never stopping that is, it's not overdone. It's not out there. And I'm not describing this as well as I like, but I just, I'm, I have such respect for it and I'm just knocked out by it. And there are people that come up to me all the time and say, you know, Without putting their finger on it, they you know that guy's really good. That da 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 da. He, what he has done is just it's just a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous performance. I agree, and it's it's interesting. We we tend to pigeonhole not just in in the entertainment business, but 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 you know that's a good example. The one we're talking about, we pigeonhole people, and and you know his his whole career, Bob has been. He, he self-describes he describes himself as a writer, but, I mean, he's been a comedic performer. And, 
you, you get put in that box and suddenly you're playing this dramatic role. It, 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 I really think he has snuck up on people. He surprised people with his, with his uh, dramatic abilities and I subtleness. Can't th- I can't think of another actor that I know that has done quite what he's done with this character. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not finding the words to describe it as well as I would like, but it really is, if you look closely at that performance as an actor, mm-hmm. it's something. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't well, agree more. We are blessed with a, a, the best best cast on television. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, before we wrap this up, I, we haven't we can't talked about jack shit about this <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about this show. A lot of, a lot of cool details. Say that. What else? No, and I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like you know, I I take responsibility for. And can we and can we do our Cinnabon shout outs to just to Lauren Franco who helps us at Cinnabon who's amazing. And uh, our two uh, Cinnabon employees, uh, Raquel and yes. Sam. They did. And those, are those, are, real, those are real employees. Those young ladies are real employees, uh, and they did a wonderful job. They did an excellent job. They were naturals. And, uh, and it certainly made sense to us to hire some folks who knew what they were doing behind the counter. But uh, right. to, to boot, they were, uh, they were excellent young uh, natural actresses. Uh, yeah, no, the Cinnabon folks have been real good to us. They, they really have. Yeah. That was that, that – uh, that, I was impressed with uh, them and all of the extras we had. We had excellent extras that day. I was so behind the eight ball that day. I was just like, I was. That was the very first day of production. And that was a very ambitious it day. A, it was an unmakeable day, and yet yeah. we went into it trying to make. How it. How hard could it be? Everything is at fast speed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, and that shot was fun. If we had, if I hadn't been so stressed, I. And it I, speeds up with no color, right? That things go faster when you shoot without color. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to you light it the you same. Have the col- you have to show. put the color in. Everybody's wearing black and white clothing. It's great. It doesn't matter. I know. But that shot uh, of, of that fast motion shot, we had two different angles on it. And everyone basically, without any script, performed their roles. The extras, Bob, uh, the two young ladies behind the counter, they just basically ran a Cinnabon. Bob and the two young ladies ran a Cinnabon. So, like, you uh, for about 20, 25 minutes of real oh, time. Oh, really? Wow. And I was stuck. So, those there. were real people? Well, they were extras. They were oh, paid okay. to be there. But they, but they, you know, I would imagine they were not all trained actors. A lot of them were folks who, hey, it might be fun to be an extra. And everyone oh, okay. did a great job. They, did, they didn't look in the camera. They didn't act weird. They acted like normal human beings would when they went to a Cinnabon. And I, again, I was just, <laughs> once once this thing got going, we, 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 we uh, which, which is, harder than it sounds but once that thing got going we said to everybody look here's what you're going to do and also i mean this would not have worked without anna and and her uh her second aid her second ad's the all the assistant director team who really directed that scene because i was stuck behind the camera i'd call out to people and i i would say i'm going to call to you but if you hear my voice don't look at me whatever you do don't look at me but i'm gonna (laughs) just listen to what i say you don't have to hurry no you don't have to you know but just do this do that but but uh, don't look my way. But uh, that was the limited directing I was doing. But mainly the ADs were sending people back and forth and doing a wonderful job of it. But you know, you say to everyone, okay, we're going to be doing this shot for almost 30 minutes. Does anyone need to go to the bathroom? Does anyone need to? And then you just roll, and they just, you know, they did I, a great I was going to say, too, because Vince, between uh, my senior ears and Vince's um, mellifluous, the light <laughs> voice, I, I spent half the time going, yeah. what did you say? What did you say? I can't hear you for Christ's sakes. 
I know. See? I have a hard time projecting. <laughs> I do. It's true. <laughs> I want to. I want that. I want that sample of what you just said. Have it, I want to have that on my phone. I was in such a bad mood directing this thing though the whole time. I, I don't know why because everybody it wasn't anybody's fault but mine. Everybody was great. The actors were great. The crew was great. But I was the whole time. I, I like, like it when you blame yourself. That's a good thing. Damn it! This isn't working. But one of the things it was so much fun because Vince is Vince is is kind and unflappable. Don't tell him I said I'm not that. It, just shut up for a second. Okay. So <laughs> it was it was when and, and when he finally loses it. There's almost fun. You almost kind of stand around and watch and go, oh look at him, he's losing it. <laughs> But yeah, the pain is supposed to fade and the glory remains. I am very proud of these two episodes. I couldn't be more proud of them. I just look back and I think I should have had more fun doing this. By the way, anyone listening who wants to be a director, once you get there and more power to you, uh, and you will if you apply, you know, work at it long enough, you'll, I believe you can get anywhere you need to be in this life if you, if you work at it long enough. Enjoy it when you get there. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a silly thing to say, but it's like I, I, I don't I don't enjoy this job when I'm doing it usually. And then I look back and I say, God damn, that came out good. I'm so proud of this. Why didn't I have more fun? So it, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but well, when it's when it's the 13th or 14th hour and it's 100 degrees outside, yeah. it's uh, you know it's reasonable. Also, yeah. you don't you never know that it's going to come out well. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because yeah, you too. would think no matter how think, many times you do it, you would yeah. think that we've done this a while, and it would be, you know, well, of course it's going to come out. It, but every all the, all the work that you've done before really doesn't help you with the next thing. Yeah. Each each time, each time, each time you each time you work, it's it's another roll of the dice, and that's that's maybe that's the. Uh, Maybe it puts can put us in a bad mood, but it it keeps it exciting. That's for damn sure. Okay, so I wasn't going to wrap us in five minutes, but now that that five minutes is gone, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no. I just wanted to spend enough time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is a whole. I mean, when I was writing my notes. Um, I felt like I was writing like some of those cards that are on the movie The Sting, one of my favorite movies. That's a great the one. setup, the bait, yeah. <laughs> you know, the uh, the the lure, um, the you know, all of these things um, uh, about um, this, you know, everything that you've got going. Like you've got Mike, um, you know, tracking, you know, or following this tracker, finding the tracker, and everything. But you've also got Chuck, who's a fucking son of a bitch. He's a conniving motherfucker. Sorry, I'm going to say it. Because you know what? He is. He is a conniving son of a bitch. We don't really know what his plan is, but he has a fucking plan. Keep this in mind, though. And he's trying to nail Jimmy. And and I'm not disagreeing with you. And I know most of the viewers feel that way about Chuck. But keep this in mind. I mean, Jimmy really stuck it to him, but good. I realize that. But look at he's uh, using Ernie to get back. I mean, you know. It's bad behavior all around. You know, so anyway, this is what I wanted. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to get you to wrap up in five minutes i'm trying to look at my clock and say you need time to talk about we need to speed round it well no but yeah. i want you i want you guys speed to have round. some time because this was a thing i mean you had to obviously you had one side of your uh uh you know uh your plotting to figure out the mic story but a whole nother side to figure out how you were going to get chuck to oh, yeah. nail jimmy over oh, this yeah. that was a tough so one, why I mean. don't you start there and you, i'll prod you you know I, I will say i will say that uh one of my favorite moments so far this season uh is uh is is that scene between chuck and jimmy and when they're uh, taking right, down the right, where they're taking down the mylar and and you really it's interesting because it's interesting what, what kelly said is that these two brothers are at odds so much they're 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 striking at each other but i really feel 
uh, a connection between them. And without that, the the whole thing the whole thing is just spy versus spy. You know, yeah. if it's if, if they're just two guys who are after each other, yeah. then uh, then it's just it's just one one move. It's like watching two guys play a chess game, which is fascinating in its own way. But these are two brothers who have who do, or at least in that moment, it really feels like there's yeah. there's there's some care. Uh, yeah, I, I believe they honestly there's love there. It might be kind of atrophied but there there is i, I, I agree with you yeah. it's how, two brothers. Well, i have to ask I, i'm going to ask a question the adventures of of mabel oh i'm so glad you asked that my mom gail gilligan uh, uh retired now but a wonderful uh, reading teacher school teacher uh she would read that story to my brother patrick and 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 to me when uh, we were little kids and she loves that book she doesn't know yet as we record this uh you know she'll i'm not going to tell her about it uh, at having the shout out in the in the episode, but when she watches it, I'm sure I'll be she'll be like jump off her couch and say, "Oh my God!" Because she loves that book. She's been saying for years it ought to be a movie, and I think she's probably right. The book is it's called "The Adventures of Mabel" uh, by uh, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Mike Mike Garmentrout. What is it? What's the who's or who wrote who did wrote? You say it? Mike, yeah, did you Bear say Mike Garmentrout? Oh, Mike Garmentrout. Mike but what's Bermintrout funny is, is he answered too. <laughs> that is, he, said, he said, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> Mike Behrman Trout. I'm sorry. If that other guy has done, the name you're looking for is Harry Thurston Peck. Yes, Harry. Thank you, Harry Thurston Peck. Uh, really amazing having information right at your fingertips here at the table. Whatever. But it, it uh, he's uh, he wrote it. It's, it's all, to the best of my knowledge, all the information uh, in the scene is accurate that it was written in. Uh, I think uh, there was an edition in 1912, but he might have written it in the 1896 or something like that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it's a great book. And I think it's still a great book, but uh, it seemed like I don't know. It just seemed like a. It, it, I re, I have fond memories of the book, and so it made I because we uh, Peter and I co-wrote this episode, and the way we usually do that is we we split things up and uh, different ways and whatnot. That that particular scene uh, I wrote, and uh, it it made it it made it more poignant for me personally by putting something that had some sort of emotional touchstone for me. Well, it almost seems like these two guys are brothers that don't really know how to love each other. They're they're both needing something from each other, but they don't really know how to be the thing that the other one needs. And then there's a lot of animosity also, which prevents them from being. I, I kept wondering what Thanksgiving at the McGill house was like. Because you always hear that about like the Manning, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning, they're, and their dad—they're like the most competitive. And there's another Manning. Fierce, yeah. There's still, yeah, the other Manning. Exactly. We don't even know that other yeah, Manning's Zeppo. name. That other Manning was, was hurt quite badly early on, but he was a good athlete. Anyway, go ahead. But exactly, but and they're all vi- I assume in my imagination of it that they're vying for their father's love, or they're they're, they're trying to one up each other or be the best. And I can't imagine what the McGill situation was like i mean certainly what it would be like now it'd be tough to get them together we spend we spent a lot of time imagining that situation you know what it was like and i think that was a the breakthrough for us on season one was when we started thinking not just what's it like to have chuck for your brother uh we started thinking what's it like to have jimmy for your brother absolutely and and that that that's that's a lot of that is uh that's that's how we got to where we are right now yeah he's a lot i mean you can kind of i mean he's if Imagine if you know he's your brother's the life of the party. He's everyone. He, everyone lights up. He lights up every room he walks in, and no matter how hard you work at it, no mm. matter what a good guy you or good boy you are, or whatever, no matter how many uh, law degrees you get. Well, I guess you only get one law degree. Whatever you know what I'm saying. No matter how hard you work, everyone 
else looks past you when you walk in the room and they look to this guy instead and they're like, hey! But I don't see you know. it that way. I, I don't find that either of these guys would be somebody I would want to go out and have dinner with. Neither of them? Or a beer. No. Hmm. No, because I think the other thing about that is that somebody who is the life of a party, who's a complete phony, you you, you sometimes yeah. have a tendency to see through very quickly. But do you see Jimmy, and Saul Goodman is a phony, but Jimmy in the early days, do you see him as a complete phony? Well, he's a hustler, and that therefore he's a liar. And, okay. and yeah, I, no, right. I got nothing with okay. that. Okay, all right. I respect that. That's a in, very interesting take on it. Because then the question that to my mind when you say that is, and I'm not arguing with you because it's an interesting thought, but is a hustler always a hustler? I mean, a hustler can hustle. But when he's not hustling, when he's being sweet, for instance, when Jimmy's being sweet and uh, kind and loving to to uh, to to uh, Kim, and when when the hustler's not hustling, you realize realize Jonathan Jonathan's not in those scenes, so (laughs) I'm not sure that he's watched or read them. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. I can only tell you this, that what I say to my daughters yeah. is if a guy lies to you, it doesn't make him the worst human being in the world, but don't you ever, 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 ever expect you to tell the truth. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I say once a hustler, always, uh, I say always a hustler. Advice. Yeah. yeah. All right. You okay. know what? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I have two that. things yeah. that I want to ask, two things that I want to continue talking about. The first one is I want you guys to really talk about the sort of genesis of the way you were going to have Chuck get Jimmy. You're bringing up a great point, which I don't think has been answered at the end of this episode, but it was something I was worried about, and I think we all were worried about, was what is what is Chuck going to do with that tape? Because the more you think about it, you know Jimmy's, there's some kind of trouble coming for Jimmy because at the end of season two, because because Chuck has recorded him making that that confession. But how, it Chuck's a lawyer. How do you use and it, yeah. it, how does how do you use that? And it's and it's That's a question. That's the one thing I was a, never worried about. It's a though. question. Chuck's a lawyer. Yes. He'll figure it out. Yeah, but he, this plan. is a good thing, Peter. You're talking about because when we when we ended the last season, mm-hmm. he's he's made a recording, and everyone who's watched all the hours of TV that every America's watched, oh, recording, oh, that means he's got him red-handed. In, in real life, a recording means next to nothing. So talk about that some, That's, about how we went with it was, that. Well, no, it, it, it's, it, it's not something I want to talk too much about because well, we have talk the, about whole, the whole piece hasn't, it hasn't unfolded exactly. yet. But I will say it was But we was hint, some, already, when, was, when, we hint yes. already when, uh, when uh, Hamlin says, I don't really know what good this thing is. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. I, and Chuck does. Uh, and Chuck has thought of something that took that took Chuck. I'm sure it took Chuck about wait, wait, ten wait. seconds of thought. But we struggled for quite a while to figure out what it was that Chuck had in mind. And the the, the great one of the great advantages Chuck has is not just that uh, he's got a great legal mind, but he also does know his brother. He does know Jimmy. Yeah. And and so I think that's uh, that's that's a, a little bit, that's hint a, is it's not pure legal. It's not no, legalities. Exactly. It's it's human it, a knowledge of, of specific human nature. Yes. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, but I, I was very proud of where we landed on that. Yeah, me too. It, and, and it was hard fought. You know, what we know about Chuck is that he, despite what happened to him last season or because of what happened last season, he doesn't make mistakes like that very he, good he he does things very intentionally yeah. he's he's the world's greatest actor in that i mean chuck 
Michael McKeon yeah. is one of the world's greatest actors in real life on the meta level, but on the uh, on the uh, in this moment, Chuck McGill is one of the world's great actors. He's as good a con man as his brother Slip and Jimmy, which I don't think we realized until the end of season two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it runs in the family. It's genetic. We should talk about some of the great uh, actors in this episode that are not our usual suspects, but but you got you got a question. Go ahead. Um, yeah, because we're going. We're running out we're of getting time. the light. Yeah, we're getting, the, um, we're getting the, the shepherd's crook here. Okay, the second thing I wanted you to talk about was we've got this scene with Paige and Kim, and Kim is obviously having second thoughts. And as much as I'm wanting to talk about, you know, that story point, what I really want to know is that statue. Isn't that, that amazing? Yeah. The sculpture? <laughs> so I was really amazed at it, and I'm like, wow, they found a place that had... That freaking st- wow! That's amazing. And then they, and then I heard no, it was made. It was made for that. by our amazing, our amazing uh, production designer and his and his team and our amazing uh, construction department run by uh, Steve Brown and uh, Michael Neer, production designer. And, and it, he and it his looks crew designed metal, it. but it's it looks like it looks like uh, it, it looks a like pl- it looks like it weighs a million pounds. <laughs> yeah, it looks it's like, like it looks like plate steel, like you'd make a decking plate out of, and and rusted. And it's really made out of some sort of foam core uh, or lighter weight uh, building material with a steel welded, not tube steel, but uh, square steel, uh, whatever the proper word for that is. And it, it weighs a lot, but it weighs only a mere fraction so of what it looks it like. There. They and they built it in different pieces so that they could get it through the door. And they did an, an astounding job. Isn't that amazing when you it's saw the so episode? Cool. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no, I, I didn't, well, I didn't even question it. I mean, and I, and I remember because it's 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 talking, you know, it's creating a fictional bank and and yeah. it, a, a thing. And you guys talked about the sort of iconography of it in the last season when then when uh, Hamlin is trying to. Right. The cowboy on the horse yeah, in exactly. the bank book. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, that's it's really, really. That's where the idea really, came from. Yeah. It's so authentic. Yeah. It's so authentic. And so that's and why that's yeah. why when I saw it, I was like. God, they found they found a place that had this statue, and, <laughs> and I was I'm blown glad you away that. when Good. I heard that it was not. I was like, "What?" And fun fact, it's actually where we shot. Uh, we did shoot a scene from Breaking Bad when Skyler is scamming the IRS agent. Oh, oh God, that's nice. the same building. Yeah, I didn't, even I didn't know that. <laughs> So that was an office. So we never did. We ever see the lobby in that? Uh, for I think there's a I think there's a, a brief second. Um, oh. I think we see an exterior. Yeah, because that lobby is great. It's an impre- and then we thought, what if we put this giant cowboy and a cactus and a cowboy on horseback mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. lobby? And the and the s- sculpture kept getting bigger. I think the first mm-hmm. iteration it was going to be eight feet tall, and it wound up being something it's like, like twenty feet, isn't it? It's fourteen or sixteen feet it's tall, like up to all, up to the top of the cowboy's head, easily. Yeah. What and is there anything in that lobby, or is it just bare? No, just bare. Wow. I mean, there's I mean, a it's, fountain. There's oh, a fountain. There the fountain was there, but then they also created some uh, sculptural, what looked like rusted steel uh, work uh, that they backed the fountain with. Are you going to take that statue and put it in your backyard? You know what? If I had room, <laughs> now you know what? Uh, th- it wouldn't hold up to the weather. It I would, know, it, would it would disintegrate in the rain over time. But they have the CNC file. They could uh, they could the computer whatever is that what they call it? CNC? They could get a computer to cut the thing out of real plate steel and build a, build the real thing if wow. they wanted. Wow. But uh, I don't know where you would put it. And we got to give a shout out to Kara Pifko, who's in the scene. He's such a lovely actress uh, oh, actor. Yeah. I guess I should say everyone's an actor. Male or female, uh, lovely actor, uh, lovely person, uh, excellent, very talented. It was great uh, getting the director because I'd never been, I'd never gotten a director before. She's just wonderful. She and uh, just watching, watching those two work, uh, mm-hmm. she and Ray Seahorn, just it was an absolute pleasure. That was one of the good days where I wasn't all 
bent out of shape. That's because you were awed by the statue. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, no, and by the way, when I keep saying I was having bad days, it all came down to I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I feel so stressed because I'm, i i got to be out of here in an hour, blah, blah, blah. Sort of like we're feeling now, trying to get all these uh, all this talk in about. I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I want to give a shout-out to Brendan Fair, mm-hmm. who, uh, who, uh, Played uh, the Air Force captain. It was great having him back. He's a, a trouble with the Air Force. Reprising yeah. his role from two hundred eight. Yes, That's right. wonderful young, wonderful young man. Did a, it was so much fun directing him, and, and he you, did a great job watching those can, two together. Was and great. you can hear the amazing story of how he ended up in two hundred eight if you listen to the previous podcast. Yes, the two hundred eight podcast. Two hundred podcast. That's, That's right. A, That's Which is a good, good one. It's a good out. podcast. And then, uh, you know what? Dylan Riley Snyder, who played the young Skeev, that's what we call him in the script. <laughs> you wouldn't know that from watching the episode. The young shoplifter. The, the Jesse sort of character. Yeah. The insp- Jesse inspiration. I, let, me, let me tell you a fun story about the uh, mall that day on the very first day of shooting. There were uh, people asking. Bob Odenkirk was, was in the scene. Obviously, you know, Gene, uh, played by Bob Odenkirk, is, is front and center there in the middle of this mall. And it was, we could not close down the mall uh nor would we have wanted to but uh the mall there were people going into stores the whole time were shooting uh, and there were a lot of people asking for autographs that day with bob odenkirk on set but no offense to bob they were only asking for autographs from from dylan riley snyder from dylan the young man who played the thief the the shoplifter because he is uh, a star, and I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. He's a star of a Disney show, or was a, was a young mm-hmm. star of a Disney show. And I got to say, he's an excellent actor. And he didn't have a line of dialogue, but you saw every thought flicker across his face and, 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 and in his eyes. He was a pleasure to work with. He, he did a, all the, the two uh, cops, the mall cop and the, and, the, and the Omar cop were great, too. All three of them were a pleasure to work with. Two other things I want to note about that scene. One is Jennifer Bryan, the coat that she oh, put that no, she put that she put Dylan in yeah. is just this wonderful it, it reminds me of Midnight Cowboy it's something it's something <laughs> something you'd see you so it's just it's all it, it tells a whole helps Dylan tell a whole story about the character and the other thing to watch closely is there's that photo booth he hides out in and there are pictures oh, yeah. of all our crew or a lot of them anyway on the sample photos uh, on the outside of that booth and so I, th- I don't know if we can, I don't know if, if in the final version you can take a little glimpse of uh, Michael Novotny or Paul. You really, you know, the one, the guy you see best is Mike. Michael is so smart. He, he, he listened very closely <laughs> when I was describing my camera angles. And there's a, the most prominent photo of course. is when the kids peek inside kind of Kilroy style around the side of the booth. And there's yeah. a the white haired, uh, handsome white haired gentleman with glasses. Uh, Michael Novotny is, is front and center on the, uh, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> placed the kind, himself very well. That's the kind of. Information you can only get on the Better Call Saul Insiders That's podcast. Right. There's one other actor that I I just want to mention, which is in it that I love. It's one of my favorite comedians, which is Joe DeRosa. Oh which yeah, you have back as the veterinarian. It was so much fun. Uh, I had only met him once before at a at a at a at the. Um, uh, premiere party of yeah, last season. Yeah, I went and season. introduced him to you. I know, because like, of you. He Thank said, you. Uh, yeah. can I meet Vince Gilliam? I'm like, yeah, come on. And it was so much fun directing him. <laughs> it was, so, oh, that was so much, that, that was a fun night because because uh, of him and because and of you, uh, uh, Jonathan, you two guys working together, that was fun having you. That was that was a long night. We, we broke it like five in the morning or something. I don't know, but that was, I mean, I can tell you working with Joe is just the best. 
the best. He's he's wonderful. the best. He's right there, and he and you know, what he he questions, he wants to know and do it, and and he comes prepared. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, great guy, funny, excellent actor, and that location that was an old railroad roundhouse. Uh, that was that that is the old locomotive works in Albuquerque. You've seen it in a lot of movies. You've seen it in different episodes of uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Definitely Breaking Bad. But we've never seen that part of it, of the facility before, because it was an old roundhouse that held uh, a lot of different locomotives when they were building them and, and repairing them and whatnot. It was, it was so great putting it, uh, that on, on film or video, whatever we call it now. I had such a good time picking the shots for that place because there was no bad angle out there. I could shoot a whole movie. No, didn't you, do, no didn't you yeah. do something? Didn't you grease the tracks or something? There was a wet down for the it tracks was, it or was, something? Uh, I think it was Michael Novotny's idea. The the tracks in the in the very the widest of all shots where you see the full scope of the, of the former roundhouse, all that's left, it used to be a structure over it, all that's left is the rails in a big sundial kind of looking, mm -hmm. in a big circle. And I think it was Michael or Marshall Adams, I can't remember who, uh, who had the idea to grease the tracks with silicone spray so that they would catch the light. The light would kick off them and shine. And, and really, just a beautiful location. I, I could have spent, I could have been there for a month. It's I mean, a roundhouse, right? It's cool. Yeah. Roundhouse, yeah. yeah. And of course, Albuquerque was, you know, for a long time, that was the, the place where all, that's where the East and West yeah. met. And that's where all the trains were, all the train magnets was. A huge railhead. I, Santa I, Fe Railroad. I, and, yeah. I have to say, one of the things I love about, I'm so excited to be back to the podcast, because one of the things I love talking about this is that we get to talk about how much creativity goes into every frame of the show. And, and uh, there are a lot of folks who don't get uh, the credit necessarily or don't get to, don't get to hear their names said. But they, they, it's, it's everything from greasing the tracks to uh, putting the photos on the photo and booth. literally. And it's, uh, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really special. It's, Steve, that's, Steve the thing that's, oh, that's the thing that's special, most special for me about, one of the things that's most special about, for me about working on the show is just to be surrounded by people who are all trying to think of how to tell the story the best way. And that goes for uh, cast and crew and everybody else. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, and I you know I just read an article about, about some asshole had written about um, being on a Hollywood set, and he said you know it was very common that the writer walks over and talks to the actor afterwards. And my first reaction to that was I thought not if you have a director that that doesn't want anybody talking to the actor. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, but he made this this nasty comment about you know the, the privileged unions and how everybody stands around, and I'm just thinking about the rail yard there, where all of a sudden the road runner will pull in, mm -hmm. and we wait for the road runner to move out so That's that the we can train. Yeah, okay. yeah, that we can continue shooting because we're working in a rail yard, yeah. and I think about the hours that a crew puts in and here's this guy writing this article with l really uh, what towering lack of knowledge and because nobody nobody works harder than film crews no that's true that's true well, you know all. what uh, they all work hard but nobody works harder than a tv crew uh, and I agree because there's there's uh, and they all work hard they work hard on the biggest budget movie but and, and whatnot so I'm not I'm not I'm not 
not trying to be divisive in the sense of I just I just want to give a special shout out to television crews because they do it longer and they do it faster and, and they just I, I'm I'm always going to be biased toward a TV. And I don't care how many times I've said it before, the loyalty of our crew yeah. to to us yeah. mm-hmm. to our show it's astounding. is yeah. astounding and yeah. and i gotta say everybody's uh we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up I well promise. yeah speaking of crews not having the, enough time the only thing i will say go. is that you you'll meet there are people on the crew who've read they've read all the scripts they don't have to they've read all the scripts they care about the story uh, nothing means more than that and, and also to see the amount of hustle and focus they it, it's themselves. it's just yeah. it's 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 incredible it's inspiring and it makes us in the writers' room, work extra hard because we know these folks are going to have to be out there uh, working their asses off to make make uh, in the to, worst to, weather in the worst middle of the night. Yes. Anyway, that's uh, that's I'll I'll, I'll I'll leave it there, and we'll we'll be talking more about how much we love our crew. And we know we didn't get into every all the plot points, but you guys saw the episode, and I you know I'm, I imagine there'll be audio commentaries in the future and stuff. But um, but uh, this is really fun. I'm glad that we're doing this again. This is, and it's really fun for me to get to see these episodes and talk about these things with you guys. I just I, I love this show so much. Unprecedented the access that you have. It is that you're not and you're not even here anymore. It's very I unusual. Much I love you, Chris. Yes. Well, I love being here and so um, and, and and well and, and, we, and Mike Bamertrat. It's great to see him it, him again too. It, it is great he's, to he's see Mike. He's a little I, bit unnerving to see him, and I, I I really don't give him a knife next time. You know what? He does what he's gonna do. Yeah. He's a wild card and a wild bear and a stuffed bear. But uh, thank you guys very much for listening. And thank you guys all for coming. Jonathan Banks. Thank you. Yay. Jonathan yes. Banks. Yay, Jonathan. Um, you should have Jonathan do we, the, the, the thing at the end. Absolutely. And, and also you, Melissa Bernstein. Thank you very much for being here. Yay. Saturday Yay. morning. And Vince and Peter. Thank you guys. And Kelly, thank and uh, we want to thank Mike Behrman Trout. My pleasure. And uh, I'd also like to thank Chris Sullivan for no reason in particular. And um, John, do, uh, do, do you we want do, me do something? Is, yeah. Do, do well, wanna... I would like to welcome you to the day after St. Patrick's Day. And for those of us who over imbibed and got here this morning, you know, good for me. Um, oh, can I say Jack... real quick? And it's my brother Patrick's birthday today. Named happy because birthday. of yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday Pat, named after St. Patrick's Day. Happy birthday, Pat. Was yeah. it really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, and it wasn't St. Patrick a Roman that was taken slave. Uh, he escaped when he was 14 or something like that from Ireland, went back to Italy, became a priest, and then brought Catholicism to Ireland. I think I'm right about that. He drove that. the snakes in Ireland. Right? Well, they say that. Anyway, the jacarandas yeah, in bloom, point. the crepe myrtles in bloom in L.A., the traffic's miserable. If you can make your way to the beach, there's nothing like watching a pelican just above the way, drifting on the wind. Okay, John. wonderful. So what I want you to also say, Jonathan, sit back down. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want you to say, as if you were Bob... Or as if you Ooh, were Saul. Jesus. We want you to say, better call Saul. <laughs> better call Saul. Yay! Yay!